She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season four. Episode one. Heron Volk. This episode is a myth arc episode and originally aired on Friday, October 4th, 1996 at 9 p.m. It was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Chris Carter and directed by R.W. Goodwin. Yeah, which we talked about R.W. Goodwin last time, and I realized we were joking around how like we didn't know whether it was a guy or not. And then I remembered that when he directed the previous episode, we talked about he's married to the person who plays Scully's mom. Oh, okay. So we obviously know it's a guy. And we knew it was a guy. We were joking around a little bit. But I had completely forgotten about the whole, like, he's married to Mrs. Scully. Nice. Yeah. Just a little correction that I also forgot to add into our wrap-up. So (laughs) those things sometimes. Yeah. Speaking of which, things that you forget to add to wrap-ups, there was one other thing that I forgot to mention about the previous episode, episode 24 of season three, Talita Kumi, that Mulder is, like, super upset about how they need to find the cigarette-smoking man, like, when he finds out, like, his mom has had a stroke and everything. Uh-huh. But yet, Mulder accosted the cigarette-smoking man in his home way back in one breath yeah yeah so like i mean i'm I'm assuming you could say that well he obviously moved house after that but he may have moved and it may have been under a fake name so like he couldn't look up the records or whatever and figure out who he is but yeah Yeah. that is a thing he did at least at one point because it looks pretty much like the same place he's in when crycheck accosts him later yeah in a different episode but then again like it's, it's just a one room apartment that he doesn't really care that much about. It's just a place where he can sit down and drink beer and smoke cigarettes and watch old movies. And right. probably doesn't, he's got other things to do in his smoky office. So, yeah. But I was like, hey, Mulder knows. <laughs> Mulder's found this guy because Skinner gave him the address before previously. Yeah. So, but yeah, we have to assume that he moved. So. Yeah, I guess so. Because otherwise Skinner would know where to find him. And Skinner does say like, I would have been able to tell you a while ago and now I can't. So that might be part of it too. Yeah, I was just uh, there was there was something banging around in my head about that scene that bugged me. I couldn't think of what it was. And then (laughs) afterwards, I remembered and then I forgot to mention it in the wrap up. So, yeah. Anyway, speaking (laughs) of how awesome we are, um, this episode will sort of represent 18 months of episodes for us. It was going to come out on March 11th of 2022 and our first episode, our first episode real episode came out on september 10th of 2020 so we've been doing this for 18 months nice yeah it's our mensiversary (laughs) that's what you call a month anniversary in case you were wondering oh cool yeah yeah it almost like we planned this with way but it didn't so no it just the timing just worked out that (laughs) We did plan to start on the 10th of September because that was obviously the anniversary of the X-Files right. airing. Which but... is why we originally started on a Thursday because in 2020, September 10th is on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, And then we moved to Fridays because that's when X-Files airs and will always air and nothing will ever change. Exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. So anyhow, and just to mention, since we have been at this for 18 months, we do have a Patreon. So if you didn't know that, we do have one. I think we've mentioned it before, but we should mention it more we often. Mentioned, I feel like we, we mentioned it several times in the wrap up. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we have a boatload of bonus episodes there. And for $5 a month, you get access to the entire back catalog. Plus you get two new episodes every single week. So it's not like you get one a month. It's like every week you get two. So that's eight episodes a month for $5. So that's a pretty sweet deal. And you should also check out our merchandise. We have some pretty sweet t-shirts that Nick has designed. We have a really cool one that says, I can't believe it's not vampires and kind of looks like the, I can't believe it's not butter logo. And then there's also a really cool one. That's like, it might be aliens, which is the thing we used to say on this podcast all the time. (laughs) There's a black cat studios one, Bigfoot boobs. Bigfoot boobs. There's I want to rewatch just like the podcast t-shirt. So you should check that out. If you're interested, you can find all that stuff, our Patreon and our merchandise and all our episodes and everything at our link tree, which is L I N K T R dot E E slash I W T R W. That's the initials for I want to rewatch. And in the show notes of every episode as well. Yeah. So you can just, yeah, find it there, but yeah. And we put it on Twitter too. (laughs) Yeah. And there will be some more t-shirts coming. Yeah. So we were going to do some t-shirts on Patreon. We decided not to do t-shirts on Patreon. So now I have those designs that I can release to the world. Nice. I know we've talked about a couple of them. I'm excited. So So. it should be good. (laughs) Anyway, season four. Yay. So I'm back from the X-Files convention. Totally pumped. Can't wait. I mean, not, not now. I wasn't an X-Files convention this year, but in 1996, I was back from an X-Files convention. Although it doesn't air till October, which must've been a huge bummer because like we got back in August and then like I had to start school in September and then I had to wait till October for more X-Files. Boo. But I don't know if we mentioned that last when season three started or not. But the seasons do, like, I don't know if that was like a network thing, like the season premieres are getting pushed back like every year. Mm-hmm. So. I think it was because I know as I got older, I remember in high school, like you shows used to run to like September to June. And then mm-hmm. it started being like late September, May. And then like seasons would run from like October to April. And like your window of when you had new content just kept like shrinking I wonder if that was because we've talked about also how like the number of episodes a season is kind of started shrinking as well. Like it used to always be 26. I remember like back in the old days, it was always like 26, 26, 26, because that was half a year. You put an episode every year, you need 26 and you have a year of reruns. Right. But then when you start thinking about like holidays and special events and that kind of thing, you don't need 26. Right. You can probably get by with 24. And then they went to 22. And then it just kept getting whittled down. Mm-hmm. So, and they also yeah. started doing like summer seasons, like because people had bigger cable packages. And so they started mm-hmm. trying to yeah, draw as we people got more in. Networks. Yeah. So they'd start doing like, oh, we've got this summer show. And so then that would start in like June and go to September, you know, so stuff like that. So, yeah. Because yeah. remember, Fox was still relatively new when X-Files came out. It'd only been around for a couple of years. So. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But here we are. Season four premiere. Let's do it. Season four premiere. So if you remember correctly, we ended season three on kind of a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. So when we start this season, we get a last season on the X-Files and we get a recap of Jeremiah Smith healing people in the restaurant after the shooting. And then X is showing Mulder photos of the cigarette smoking man at the Mulder summer house with Mulder's mom, Tina. 
And then Mulder finds the alien stiletto and clicks it, pops up. And then Mulder's mom is in the hospital. And then cigarette smoking man is telling Jeremiah Smith when he's like in custody that the date is set and the outcome is inevitable. And then Mulder telling Skinner and Scully that the cigarette smoking man knows about the healer from the restaurant is trying to kill him. And that scene that I mentioned earlier was like, we got to find him, whatever. And then we see the alien assassin approaching Mulder and Scully and Jeremiah Smith at the end of the episode. And then (gasps) there's a van driving through the countryside and it's sunny and it's all like open fields and forests and it's beautiful it's not like night with alien assassins or anything it's kind of weird anyway then the van is parked and we see the drivers at the back of the van and he's putting on a bunch of gear because he's getting ready to climb power pole and he climbs up and it's one of those power poles that doesn't actually have the thing so he's got like the leg spikes on and he's got the big belt going around the thing so he's all chunk 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 climbing up and then when he gets up there, he starts unscrewing something. And as he does, there's this bee kind of flying around. He's like, oh, and it lands on his neck. And apparently it stings him. He's all, ah, and he smacks it. And the bee falls to the ground and then lays there. And basically, I think it's dead. And then he's like, oh, you know, he's rubbing his neck because he got stung by a bee. That's not great. And then we see some shadows pass over the dying bee on the pavement. And we see a group of five identical young blonde boys. Like maybe like in the eight, 10, nine, 11, I don't know. Those numbers aren't in order, but whatever. They're all the same age. They all look the same. They're like twins or quadruplets or not. No, it's that would be quintuplets. Quintuplets. Yeah. Yeah. Or clones. Anyway. So, and they gather around the pole and look up at the dude on the pole. And the workman looks down at them and it's like, man, a bee just stung me. And he's totally got a mid. Canadian accent like if you've heard a Canadian accent that's the accent you've heard this guy speaking anyway and then they kind of just stare up at him and don't say anything and he's like don't you all take the cake does your mom ever mix you up because even from up there he can tell like those kids are all the same kid so Mm -hmm. they just kind of stare at him and they don't say anything and then suddenly he's kind of having some trouble swallowing he's kind of like and then he starts to struggle and he kind of like starts to seize and then he shakes so hard that the strap on the belt that's holding him to the pole comes off. And then I guess the spikes come out of the pole too. And he falls up, boom, he lays there. And then the boys kind of go around him and kind of look. And one of them kind of like taps him on the head with their foot, kind of that little, not really kicks him, but kind of like, hmm, oh, I think he's going to die. Okay. And then they all just walk away, go off in the field. La, 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 la. And then it's the theme song. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And at the end of this theme song, instead of the truth is out there, we get everything dies. Cool. So I, I see we're starting off on a super optimistic note this season. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I do have a question. <laughs> so the guy gets stung by a bee and then he has issues and he dies, right? Was it anaphylactic shock or was it... <gasps> Killer bees. <gasps> oh we were gosh. warned about them in the seventies, and we kind of joked about it that they weren't real. And mm, I don't know. Mm, I mean, they didn't swarm him. Although more bees do come up later. Um, I feel like I honestly feel like the bee thing is addressed maybe in the movie. I feel like it comes up well, again. Well, it's addressed in the episode too. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Well, I mean, I know where the bees came from, but I can't remember like why it kills him. But no, yeah, anyway. Yeah. No, it, it does make sense in the episode. Yeah. Especially when we see his body later and you're like, man, he's messed up. But then 
when you find out what the bees are doing, it makes sense. So okay, but maybe Tori didn't put those clues together. Well, you will find out. Yeah, I might not have. <laughs> so the workman is played by Garvin Cross, who played the redheaded kid in Fearful Symmetry. And he'll also be in two episodes of Millennium. In addition, he's been on Stargate SG-1 and Supernatural, among other things. And he's had an active career as a stuntman. Yeah. I don't remember the redheaded kid from Fearful Cemetery. He obviously is not the redheaded man from... No. I think he was one of the, the activist kids. Okay. That was like trying to save the animals kind of deal. Okay, that was a couple years ago. So yeah. calling him a kid might have been. Yeah, I think it's kid, but I think they were like supposed to be teenagers and probably yeah. in their early 20s. So because honestly, when I was going to mention it in the teaser, then I forgot when you first see him, when he turns, I think puts his gear on and he turns around to go climb the pole. You're like, oh, my God, James Bond is going to climb this pole because he <laughs> looks like Daniel Craig. He looks a lot okay. like Daniel Craig. Yeah, he does. So. I wonder if maybe that's where some of his stuntman stuff is from. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, I don't remember. Looked, I didn't he, look. If he's if he works as a stuntman, he would be a very good stuntman to work for Daniel Craig because he looks a lot like Daniel Craig. So. Nice. Yeah. And then tell us the name on the van is because when it drives by, we see the name of the van and it says TELUS. And TELUS is Canada's second largest telecommunications company. It was founded in 1990. The company is now based in Vancouver, British Columbia, but it was originally based in Edmonton, Alberta, before it merged with BC Tel in 1999, which happens hmm. after this episode. Yeah, you know, this episode is filmed in Vancouver. Let's go. What's going on? This seems kind of interesting to me, at least because when we first see the van when it's driving down the road, the front license plate has been removed. And then it drives past and we see the TELUS name and the logo on the side. And then as the line man prepares to put his gear on, he has his work boot on the back bumper. And we see like our almost our entire screen is filled with a license plate that is on the rear bumper. That is from Alberta. PRC-5N8 Wild Rose Country. And I was like, okay, are they just not trying to hide the Canada thing anymore? Or like, is this location supposed to be in Canada? And if it's the former and not the latter, then why is there like an Albertan fleet vehicle in British Columbia, a good 600 miles away at minimum, at least, right? In either case, like, why did they remove the front plate only to permanently feature the rear plate? So these are the questions I had in my head. So it turns out that where we're at in this episode actually is supposed to be in Alberta. Okay. So then I'm still wondering like, well, why did they take off the front plate? But I do know that in the United States, only 31 states require a front and a rear plate. Okay. The other 19, you just have to have one plate, usually on the rear. So it turns out that British Columbia, Ontario, Newfoundland, and Manitoba are the only provinces in Canada that also require two plates. So Alberta does not. So they actually nailed it because even though they're in British Columbia where two plates are required, Huh. This is supposed to be taking place in Alberta, and they didn't put a front plate on. So good job. I'm impressed. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah. It's funny, too, because my car, someone, like, backed into me and smashed my front bumper, like, a couple oh, years cool. ago. And it had to, they replaced the whole front bumper. It was fine. Like, it was in a parking lot. It was very slow motion. I probably should have backed away, but I was, like, honking my horn, and, like, someone just backed out into me. But, like, when they replaced the front bumper, they, like 
barely screwed the front plate on so like it's kind of hanging off a little bit and like I'm always worried it's gonna fall off into the street and I'm not gonna have one anymore because <laughs> it's not really made for a front bumper yeah I would say a lot of designs <laughs> even though the majority of states require mm-hmm. two plates there are a lot of car designs that you don't you'll just see it kind of like screwed in with like two top screws and it's just kind of like hanging there in the yeah the that's kind of how mine is because yeah. it's just like screwed in but it's like not screwed in well and it's definitely not designed to have a plate on it so eh, it's yeah. been fine so far it's been a couple years nothing's happened so <laughs> and all this came about just because i listened to a lot of the cbc the canadian broadcasting company and so okay. i i know the name telus and so when i saw the telus on the van i'm like hey that's canada are they not trying <laughs> to even buy and then and then it but then it turns out they are supposed to be, this location will be in Alberta. So mm-hmm. they did a good job. So then we're at Bond Mill Road, rural Maryland. And we get a very rushed replay of events from the previous episode where Smith tells Mulder that he can explain everything. And Scully's like, Mulder, he knows about your sister. And Mulder wants Smith to come see his mother. Because remember, Tina's in the hospital and not doing well. And this guy can heal. Mm-hmm. And then the alien assassin arrives and approaches with his stiletto out, ready to kill. So then we get some new stuff finally. So Smith bolts. He just runs for it. And Mulder tells Scully to stay out of the assassin's way because the assassin isn't after her. He doesn't want to hurt her. He won't do anything. And not to use her gun on him. And then he runs after Smith. Because he's got toxic blood. Yeah, right. So yeah, don't shoot him because that won't go well for you. So Scully, I guess desperate to stall the assassin, kind of ignores this advice. And she draws her gun and she tells the assassin to stop. But he just like runs right past her and knocks her over. So it's yeah, not she's like, oh, anyway, <laughs> sir, stop, stop, sir, sir. So, yeah, <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm an alien assassin. I don't have time for this. I did have a question when because she has met this guy before. Because remember, he was disguised as Mulder and like trashes her and throws her across the room. Did he morph before he did all that or did he trash her when he was still Mulder and then morphed after she was like unconscious on the floor? I thought he was still Mulder, but she did know it wasn't Mulder. So maybe right. he was before. I was just wondering if she's ever seen this guy. We know Mulder's seen this guy before. And Mulder knows, that's why Mulder knows about like, hey, don't shoot him because you're, you know, that's what uh-huh. happened to me, right? I got all infected and you had to save my life. But I was, I wasn't sure if she knew what he looked like or not. Honestly, I don't remember either. I didn't okay. think about it. Good question, though. Just because the whole her calling him sir all the time was just like, although we know she has that thing where she calls people sir a lot, probably mm-hmm. because of her dad being in the military and whatever. So, yeah. yeah. So Smith has run inside the old mill and Mulder followed him and they are pursued by the assassin. So Mulder huffs it up the stairs and the assassin follows. But he stops at the top of a landing as Mulder keeps going up. And so like the assassin stops, he's looking around. And Scully enters on the ground floor and she's looking around. So like everyone's in this mill on different levels. Yeah. And Smith is Mulder, Mulder. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she is. (laughs) A lot, a lot, a lot in this scene. Yeah. She's (laughs) It's like Scully. He told you to stay back. Just stay back, girl. I love you, but let him do his thing. Although to be fair, letting Mulder do his thing sometimes is not the worst. Yeah, she's no, but she's just constantly calling from older. So it's just like, okay, like he's not gonna answer. Like, stop. It's like you're letting everybody know exactly where you are. You're maybe not the best thing to be doing. So right, yeah. So Smith reaches some room in the mill and he starts to climb up into a rafter, but the alien assassin is right behind, and like as he's climbing, the alien assassin grabs his leg. 
and Mulder rushes in and apparently Smith is able to pull away. So the assassin turns around and faces Mulder. Then he turns the other way and runs after Smith. So Mulder turns back and runs out the other door and Smith finds a door that's labeled exit and runs through it. And the assassin sees the door. So he also heads through it. So this is a really like, there's just a lot of chasing going on. Yeah. And it's super dark. It is very dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I had to watch it like six or seven times just to figure out who was where, what was going on. Because it does at point seem almost Scooby-Doo, like they're going in one door and coming out another door somewhere else kind of thing. Like you're like, yes, yeah, but you can't really tell because you have no idea what's going on. So, right. So finally, Smith finds himself on top of the building on this like deck of sorts. And the assassin appears up there too. And Smith climbs up over the railing and he jumps down. And Mulder opens the door that leads to where Smith has landed. So that's convenient. Convenient, yeah. And he helps him up. And he sees the assassin is still up above. So they run through a door and close it just as the assassin reaches it. And he can't get it open. So they run back down and Mulder calls the Scully to get the car. Yeah, because the assassin (laughs) jumped down and like barely even bending a knee he was like no uh-huh. no problem like smith is all like oh and like having to get up because when he landed assassin just like boom i'm here yeah and so, but he can't yeah. get through the door at least for a second like it's probably not yeah. going to take him long to break it down yeah. so scully starts the car and pulls up to the building and the assassin drops down onto the hood of the car so she blares the horn in warning and so Mulder and smith turn and go another way I thought the horn, you're, you actually, that actually makes more sense because I thought the horn was just going off because when he landed on the hood, he messed it up. And so the horn just went oh, off. Oh, like yeah. No, have, I think like when was... you have an accident, sometimes the horn goes off. Uh-huh. But what you said yeah. makes more sense. So, yeah, I okay. think she was trying to warn them, don't come here because he's right here. So Mulder and Smith turn and go another way. And so the assassin follows, but then he hears a door open somewhere and he goes to the window and he sees Mulder and Smith running across piles of wood chips that are kind of like down on the ground and he chases after them but when he crests the hill that they ran over he sees the river next to the mill but there's no sign of them and then Mulder emerges from the wood chips behind the assassin because he like buried himself in the wood chips and creeps up to him and he jams the stiletto in the base of his neck and the assassin falls down the hill and his body rolls onto its stomach and this green foam oozes out of the wound. <gasps> so Mulder grabs the stiletto that the assassin dropped because he doesn't want to go get the one that's in the assassin. So he takes the assassins. Smart. And Smith runs to the dock and he gets into a boat that's parked there. And Mulder runs and he calls after him. And Smith is like, there'll be more right behind him. And Mulder's like, I need your help. My mother's dying. And Scully runs after them and she stops at the assassin's body because it's like obviously on the way to where they are. And she hears the boat engine and she heads towards it. And then she sees the boat pull away with both Mulder and Smith aboard. So she goes back to the assassin's body and tries to take a pulse. But he reaches up and he puts a hand around her throat. And he's like, where are they going? But, you know, Scully doesn't know. She she didn't even know they were going to get in a boat. She can't help him. So he pulls the stiletto out of his neck and then drops Scully to the ground. Yeah. Conveniently, right before Scully approaches him the very first time, we see that all his toxic blood, like, sucks back into his body in the wound. And the stiletto is just sitting there with no toxic blood. Because I was wondering if Mulder might have immunity to it now, since he's already been affected by it. But okay. Scully would not. 
Right. And so in theory, if Scully wouldn't approached him, she should have been affected by the toxin. Yeah, but, but it depends too. It, like it, it did conveniently suck back into his body yeah. before she arrived. So but I also wonder how concentrated it is, like how close you have to be. Cause like in the ambulance, obviously the EMT was really affected and that guy in the house was really affected, but they were like in a closed space with the alien. Well, and those were different dudes. That wasn't the alien assassin though, too. Right. But it was the, different. The guy, but so. the blood is, if we're assuming it's kind of the same deal then. Yeah. The clone one was just cause Mulder was in the sub with him and then shot him. Mm-hmm. And then he bled, he bled the green stuff and Mulder suddenly Mulder reacted like he did in Erlenmeyer flask. But then it turned out that it was it wasn't just that it burned his eyes. It also gave him some super brilliant like disease kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works exactly. But yeah, I do think they did kind of like add little things to this scene where everything is kind of accounted for. Like Mulder's Uh like, hey, don't shoot him. And then also like he doesn't want to hurt you. Which explains why, like, repeatedly when he has a chance to kill Scully, he does not kill Scully. Right. He's going to get a couple more chances later to do the same thing, and he doesn't. So, right. Yeah. So, apparently, apparently, even though he's an assassin, he's only technically an alien assassin. So, he only assassinates aliens. He has his mission, but he's not going to kill people. He doesn't have to, I guess. Yeah, I guess whatever i don't know anyway on the boat Mulder and smith reach another dock and they deboard and smith tells Mulder that the government men will know where to find them they'll be waiting with Mulder's mother at the hospital and Mulder says well they can't expose themselves without consequences so we should be safe they won't attack us if we go there and smith is like you don't understand how this stuff works at all for their plan <laughs> to succeed i have to die and any consequences from that will only be weighed against the success of their plan and so Mulder asks if he means colonization. And Smith tells him, hegemony, a new origin of species. And Mulder's like, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. And Smith says that he can show him. But Mulder's like, my mom is dying. And Smith says that if they're waiting for him and willing to kill him, even if that means having to face the justice system, then Smith will be dead and unable to help his mother anyway. And then their work will go on. Or Mulder can stop it by going with Smith. And Mulder asks how. And Smith says, I can show you the work in progress where he can see. And then Mulder interrupts and is like, like, there's no time. We don't have time to do all this. And Smith is like, where you can see your sister. And then Mulder's like, hmm? Because he said the words. Yeah. Mulder is like, okay, I'm going to do whatever you say. Basically, yeah. (laughs) He doesn't say Sam, but he says your sister. But yeah. Yeah. But the same thing. If you invoke Mulder's sister, you can get him to do a lot of stupid yeah. things. It's like saying Beetlejuice three times. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So then we're in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's 4.56 a.m. And the cigarette-smoking man is sitting by Tina Mulder's bed and holding her hand. And then the Godfather conspirator walks in, a.k.a. Elder Number One. Although he's actually just credited as Elder in this episode, but he's previously been credited as Elder Number One. So I don't know. Anyway, and he says that he isn't coming. And the cigarette smoking man is like, I told you. And then Godfather conspirator asks where he is. And the cigarette smoking man says he doesn't know, but he certainly anticipated they would be waiting here for him. 
And then a dude comes out of the bathroom who is probably like an assassin or something. And so he walks out. And then the Godfather conspirator shuts the door to the hospital room. And he says that we may have a security leak and that he is coming to receipt of some pictures. And he shows cigarette smoking man, one of the pictures with him and Tina at the summer house. And he's like, were you aware that you were being photographed? And the cigarette smoking man is like, by whom? The Godfather conspirator says that he believes that can be determined by a simple planting of information. And the cigarette smoking man is like, what information? The Godfather conspirator says that left unprotected, Mrs. Mulder's life may come to an unnatural end. Oh. Yeah. So have to plant some fake info and then find out who gets that info and then they'll know what's going on. So Yeah, they'll know who's classic the- classic move, classic move. Good job. It is a classic move. Yeah. Yep. So then it's 7:05 and Scully is still at the mill and she's sitting in the car and her phone rings. And we see that Mulder is riding as the passenger in another car. And he asks where Scully is. And she tells him that she's right where he left her, sitting in the car. And he's like, why? <laughs> and she's like, I mean, to be fair, it's like, why are you still there? It's ridiculous. But she's like, well, I didn't know what else to do. And Mulder asks if she's okay. And she says that she's fine, but she does sound a little strained. And Mulder tells her that people may try to get to him through her. And she tries to cut him off, but he keeps talking about the steps he took to cover his tracks. And then we see that the alien assassin is in the back seat of Scully's car. So that's why she's still there, because she doesn't have a choice. And he pushes the stiletto closer to her head. And Mulder tells Scully he needs her to know that he's fine. And the assassin, apparently having gleamed where Mulder is from this conversation somehow, mm-hmm. gets out of Scully's car and he heads for his own. And since he's no longer behind her, Scully's like, Mulder, the assassin is alive and he's coming after you. <gasps> and then it's commercial. Yeah. Could killed her. Anyway, didn't, but yeah. So this scene is where when they're talking on the phone, Mulder mentioned they stole a car in Alberta. Uh-huh. And so that's where we know they're in Alberta, which I guess it's the assassin can hear the phone. Maybe he yes. for like alien hearing or something. I think I that's know. it. And that's so he yeah. was able to figure out and where so they he are. Knows. Yeah. yeah. And then Mulder's like, there'll be a record of me going through customs, though. So you need to cover it up. I don't know if she ever gets around to doing that. But that's part of what yeah the conversation is, because I was kind of wondering. I was confused at first during the scene. I had to go back and watch it a second time because I because he says they stole a car in an Alberta airport and I'm like okay but I'm like then how did they how did they get across the border I'm forgetting this is like 1996 where you can just hop a plane with a fake name and no one cares right so yeah but apparently there was still like custom stuff and so they do, there's a record of it and so yeah because at first I was thinking they stole a car on this side of the border that had Canadian plates to help them get through customs that would make sense uh... too maybe Okay. But and that's not what happened. Apparently, they got on a flight and flew to Alberta and then stole a car in Alberta. So mm-hmm. also, he's still in the car. He's an FBI agent. They're still in cars. I know. he can, Well, I guess he didn't want to rent one because there'd be a record. But yeah, he's going to have her cover up the custom stuff, which seems like that would be more difficult than a rental car agency. But OK. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so then we come back from the commercial and Mulder and Smith roll to a stop on a country road. 
because apparently there's no place in Alberta to stop for gas. I guess once you leave the airport, it's <laughs> like gas at the airport and that's it. So Smith is like, that's it for the gas. And Mulder's like, well, how much further? And Smith tells him about 20 miles. And then he kind of looks and he's like, well, maybe on foot, if we go over those hills, it's like half that. And Smulder's like, okay, let's go. Do, 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 do. Heads off into a pasture. Yep, there's going to walk through some fields. Sure. 10 miles. Yeah. Yep, sounds like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so Scully arrives at Skinner's office, and she tells him that she heard he was looking for her. And he heard there was some concern about her and Mulder. And Scully explains that they were looking for Jeremiah Smith. And Skinner's like, did you find him? And Scully says no. And Skinner looks kind of unconvinced. And he says he got a memo from her about five different men with the same name working in different branches of the Social Security Administration around the country. And Skinner ran a check on them and all five failed to report to work this week. And he asked what her and Mulder's suspicions are. And Scully says they haven't really formulated any clear suspicions. And Skinner says, we have. And Scully asks, sir? Yeah. I don't know that we ever get what their suspicion was, though. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because, like, Skinner does know because he actually has the picture that has all, he even mentions that, like, and they all have the same face. So he knows they're like all, like, that's weird, right? It's not, it's like, it is very weird. So, yeah, but I don't think we ever actually get what his suspicion is. But we do, we're at the Psy Crime Lab or wherever they call (laughs) it, right? And Agent Pendrel's there on a computer. And he's explaining they downloaded the hard drive data from the five missing men's workstations. So I guess that was part of part of Skinner's suspicion or whatever was that they decided to pull all their data. But we still don't know what they actually came up with. Anyway, they downloaded all the hard drive data from their workstations and they found enormous amounts of files and data that cannot be identified. They don't correspond to their jobs at all. And they were all locked in password protected files. The file names scroll across the screen as Pendle's talking, right? And it's just all like, blah, 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 blah. and apparently there's enough data. And we're talking like text data here. This is important. This is like text data. There's apparently enough data to fill seven, 10 gigabyte hard drives. That's 70 gigabytes of data. Of text data. Yeah, that's wild. In 1996. Yeah. Scully asked if it could be a cryptograph. And Pendrel says, maybe. She asks if she can get a copy of a portion of it to see if she can figure it out. Pendrel is dubious, but Scully has someone that she wants to run it by. And Skinner's like, Mulder? And Scully's like, no, this is more of my area of expertise. And then she takes a printout and leaves. Um, it looks kind of like DNA data, honestly. Yeah. Like markers. I mean, which that's what I guessed. And I'm going to find out that I'm kind of right. But yeah, so. So I was curious because obviously I had a computer in 1996 and you couldn't do a ton with it. And like modems were, I don't even know if we had 56K modems yet. It was still very early. So I looked up like how big the average computer hard drive was. And online it said that it could hold around two gigabytes, which I guess if you have an operating system and stuff, your storage is still probably only going to be like 500 megabytes or something. I don't think your system software takes a gigabyte and a half. I don't know. Windows is clunky. <laughs> <laughs> Not that clunky. I know. I know. So I, I also looked it up. The two gigabyte average seems high. I'm not sure where you looked it up at, but the top of the line Power Mac 9600, which came out in 97. So a year later, 
did have a standard four gigabyte hard drive. Okay. Again, that's the top of the line. So I don't know. Although you could not even buy a 10 gigabyte hard drive until 1998. Wow. And he's okay. like saying like, he's saying like seven, 10 gigabyte hard drives, but they had five computers. So I'm not sure why they're using that breakdown instead of just saying the total data. I don't know. A cursory search found the largest drive in 1997 was at 8.4 gigabytes. It's like back in the day, everything was all like point whatever it was when you got to the higher numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Also, let me just mention, they're talking text data. 70 gigabytes is actually a lot of space now. Like, I don't know, if you maybe like had to rip television episodes from some TV show in the 90s for a podcast you were doing or something like that, depending on your settings, you could get a good two or three seasons and be like 70 gigabytes. So, and that's like at 720p. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It is. It's a lot. Of that's, a, that's a lot of data. It is. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Mulder and Smith reach a road and they it's conveniently, even though they, this big, expansive Alberta, they end up right at the telephone pole with the dead guy on the street that we saw in the teaser. And his face is all covered in like these swollen pox marks and stuff. And bees are all crawling all over him. And Mulder bends over him and asks what happens. And Smith is like, I would advise you against touching the body. And Mulder then basically ignores that and pulls a work order from the body and says like, oh, this body's only been here for about 24 hours because here's the work order. And Mulder's like, you know what killed him, don't you? And Smith doesn't answer and instead says, it's not much further. And then they head on out. Smith was like rummaging around in the back of the van. I, I want to say he grabbed something, but I don't remember what it was he grabbed. I don't know why they wouldn't grab the keys and use the van to drive. But anyway, that's me. Yeah, because because that's when when he's turned around looking in the van. That's when Mulder actually reaches in and like grabs stuff. Even though Smith told him, like, don't touch that body. Also, that body looks super gross. Mm-hmm. So I probably would not touch it anyway. But, yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah. But then they reach this area that has fields of plants covered by black tarp. So there's a big, like huge, like squares, rectangles of crops. And they're all covered by these low tarps, black tarps. And Smith says, you're looking at the future, Mr. Mulder. And Mulder's like, what is it? And Smith says, the flowering shrub that can't be found on any plant charts on this planet. And Mulder looks at the setup through the binoculars and asks what they're being grown for. And Smith says, pollen. And then Mulder sees a boy and a girl walking along the edge of the crops carrying buckets. And the boy is the one from the opening. Or maybe a clone of one from the opening because he looks exactly like him. And the girl looks exactly like Samantha Mulder. <gasps> what? And Mulder's like, what's going on? That girl looks exactly like my sister, but it's not possible. That kid is no older than the day Sam was abducted. So Mulder runs down to the crop and he's all, Sam, Sam, Sam. And the kid finally like turns and looks at Mulder and Mulder like, you know, like kneels down and like has his hands on her shoulder. And he's like, it's me, Fox, your brother. And she doesn't respond at all. And then he's like, do you remember me? And still, like, no reply. And Mulder's like, what's going on? And Smith comes up behind him and is like, she has no language. She's a drone, a worker. And Mulder's like, what are you talking about? And Smith says, there's more that he should see. <sighs> it's so funny because, like, Mulder knows this can't be Sam, right? She couldn't still be eight years old. But, like, his first inclination is like, Sam, it's me. Do you remember me? Yeah. We've talked about this before. Because Mulder has seen Sam mm-hmm. mistakenly, right? Like, remember in Miracle Man, he sees yes. Sam. It, it, he, I think he's hallucinating or he's being like, you know, 
something's going on. He's not really seen her, but he thinks he's seen her. And it's actually this girl that they used to a good job. They got the same girl. And he's like, oh, and ghost chasing everywhere. Talk about, dude, you know, your sister would still be like that, you know, eight or whatever. Right. And then he's also seen clones of her as an adult, though, too. Like, pick one, dude. Where is she supposed to be? I don't know. Well, yeah. And like, we never got verification. The clone actually was a clone of Sam. But like, if we're supposed to believe that, then the idea that this girl is here and looks like Sam, but is younger it would be pretty easy to guess what's going on, especially if you think clones are a thing like Jeremiah Smith, for example. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So then Mulder and Smith follow the boy and the girl down the road to some houses. And there's a bunch of little small, like little, like almost like maybe one room little houses kind of around. And the two kids go inside one of the house and Mulder's like, how did they get here? And Smith says that they're stationed here as part of an agrarian workforce. And Mulder's like, who takes care of them? And Smith says they take care of themselves. Parenting is unnecessary. And then pairs of identical kids start coming out of every house and just kind of looking at Mulder and Smith being like, who are these guys? And Mulder realizes the clones, finally. And Smith (laughs) asks if he's seen enough. And they can't stay much longer. And then Smith is like, I'm going to go look and see if I can find some gas. And Mulder is just like, just dumbfounded. He just keeps staring at the kids and the kids are staring at him. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So Scully arrives at Mulder's apartment and she immediately tapes an X into the window because that's what you do, right? If you're Mulder or Scully, you tape an X in that window. And time passes and she's sitting on the sofa in Mulder's apartment looking at the printout from Pendrel. And someone knocks on the door. So she grabs her gun and she heads to the door and X's voice is like, open up. Yeah, he's, like, he's all open up, Agent Scully. So he knows that she's the one in there. He knows. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she lets him in. And X says he's looking for Mulder, but he saw Scully enter the building. And he's like, where is Mulder? And Scully doesn't know. And X says he has information for him concerning his mother. <gasps> which we we already know that X is the one taking photos, so he's the leak. But clearly, like, they mm-hmm. have put that information out, and X is now there mm-hmm. to deliver it. And Scully asks if something has happened to her, and X says, no, not yet. And Scully's like, is she in danger? probably so x prefers to speak with Mulder directly but he does say that miss Mulder is unprotected and scully's like from whom and so x starts to leave and she asks again and he tells her that she might want to pass that information along to Mulder. and she says not until he gives her some information first so she picks up the printout and she starts to tell him what she thinks it is but he says she's going in the wrong direction And she realizes that he knows what the numbers are. And she's like, they all start with SEP. And he says they're from a smallpox eradication program and warns her to leave it alone and protect Mulder's mother. And then he leaves. So clues. Yeah. The plant is not found anywhere on earth. The bees are making pollen, special pollen that apparently will give you smallpox. That dude, obviously. Been... <gasps> I th- okay, you know what? That's I think I do remember got, that coming together. That's why, he's got, and... that's why he's got the pox all over him, because he apparently never was immunized against smallpox. And so, therefore, he would get it. Or I'm not sure, because there's something going to come up later, too, that we're talking about who might get stung or whatever. And so, but, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. But somehow the bees are related to smallpox. And so okay. 
they probably gave the although it's like some super fast acting smallpox. Oh I mean, yeah, like super one to be fair, if you're gonna breed it, right? Breed it super fast acting because they want yeah. to like we don't know the details of their plan, but I'm guessing that they want to save the people they want to save and wipe out the rest of the population. I'm guessing that's yeah. sort of their and I goal. guess smallpox is the way to do it, I guess. So mm-hmm. yep. Lovely. So. Yeah, so that kind of answers a question about why the dude like suddenly reacted so bad. So probably wasn't anaphylactic mm-hmm. shock, or or maybe it was. Although or maybe he's just he... also allergic to bees. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, he didn't seem that worried about being stung by a bee, but then maybe he also did not. He never been stung by a bee before and didn't know that he was super yeah. allergic. So who knows? Yeah. So Smith shows up and he found a gas can. We're assuming there's gas in it. Well, we'll find out later there's gas in it. He's like, let's go. And Mulder is holding the hand of the first clone girl that he found because they're all kind of wearing slightly different clothes so we can tell them apart. Also, that way we can be like, oh, there's many of them instead of just thinking we like took angles of the same person who was acting. But anyway, and he's like, she's coming with us. And Smith <laughs> is like, dude, that's not your sister. What are you doing? And Mulder's like, who is she then? And Smith tells him that he has a chance to understand and expose something much greater. And Mulder's like, well, then explain it to me. But then a car comes speeding down the road. And you can guess who it is. And so they run and they're with the girl and she's running too. And they all run and the alien assassin is driving the car. And they run into a field and then back up onto like this little dirt road kind of thing. So I like that Mulder just like he realizes there are all these clones of his sister, but he just randomly like picks one and is like, okay, you're coming with me. You're my sister now. Well, to be fair and to be generous to Mulder, maybe he wants to bring her back as proof that they have cloned his sister and have them run like DNA tests or something (laughs) on her. But also, you know that Mulder gets completely unhinged when it comes to Samantha. So who knows? (laughs) You're the first one I saw. So you're my sister. Yeah, I could see Scully being like, we're going to run some DNA tests on this girl (laughs) and then we're putting her back where you found her because she's not your sister, Mulder. No. So they're running and the clone girl is actually like running ahead of all of them. So she somehow knows that maybe you need to run from whoever's coming. And she opens the door to a building and we find out there's an apiary full of bees. And so Mulder thinks like it might be a bad idea to hide in there. There's a bunch of bees in there. (laughs) And Smith agrees because he's not sure that Mulder has immunity to them. Oh, so and Mulder's like, but do you? And then Smith doesn't say anything, so he probably assumes that he does. And so Mulder takes the gas can and basically just dumps gas all over himself. Again, maybe not the best plan. Don't cover yourself in flammable liquid, but who knows? Anyway, so apparently the gas will stop the bees from stinging him, I guess. Well, keep them away because they're going to be repelled by the the odor of gasoline, so they won't. But Mulder is also blind now. He can't see because he got gas in his eyes. So... He asked the clone girl to lead him inside. So they go inside and they're surrounded by bees. And Mulder asks if the door is the only way out. And they look up and there's a skylight way above them. But they're not getting to that skylight ever. And there's swarms of bees all over the place. And Smith says they've walked into their own trap. <gasps> yeah, not, not a good plan in any way. <laughs> Yeah. I also wonder if they're concerned about whether Mulder has immunity. They didn't care about whether he had immunity when he ran to go see Sam. There were bees flying around all those plants when Mulder's like, are you my sister? Are you my sister? There were bees buzzing all over the place. So why didn't Smith care about whether he had immunity then? He could have stung him then. Yeah, they could have. Although bees aren't super, I mean, usually not very aggressive. So Unless they're killer bees. 
it's possible that like you know he wasn't really worried about them stinging Mulder in an open field near their plants but then now they're going into like a literal bee apiary it's probably a little more likely. i mean one just randomly stung some dude up on a pole that's true that's true so yeah so the alien assassin's car comes racing down the road towards the apiary and stops near the door and the assassin opens the door and he like comes down the stairs and he clicks his stiletto as he's walking around and he sees the gas can on the floor. So he kind of like touches it with his shoe. You know, that weird testy thing people do where they like touch something. With your foot. It's an inanimate object might attack me. I should kick it. Mm. And he stares at a wall of honeycomb. And suddenly the honeycomb moves as Mulder and Smith push the wall of honeycomb down on top of the assassin. And then while well, he's like filled by that, they run past him and he pushes the honeycomb off. But he's swarmed by bees as they run for the exit. Yeah, the bees are angry because all their honeycomb died. Well, not all of it, but yeah. Yeah, well. There yeah. are giant walls of honeycomb and big things of it hanging down from the ceiling. It actually reminded me a lot of Red Museum. Okay. Season 2, episode 10. Because even down to the gas can thing, because except for the roles are kind of reversed because Mulder is looking for the crew cut man who is trying to burn down the meat place. And then Mulder finds the gas can and kind of like, hmm, remember? And he like tastes the gasoline or something, like puts his fingers in it. It's all, ooh, gasoline. And then they're fighting in all the hanging beef. And here we have a bunch of hanging honeycomb. So it kind uh-huh. of reminds me of it. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch, but I just thought of it. So, <laughs> because of the gas can. so they were at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. And Scully pokes her head into Pendrel's office and asks if he's busy. And he says, no. And he starts like mm, gussing himself up a little bit, just in his tie because he was kind of slumping over a table. So he's making. <laughs> and she says she thinks that she's made some headway onto the data. And she asks him to call up the files, and he says like I've got nowhere. And Scully points to the letters SCP and says it stands for Smallpox Eradication Program. And he's like, How did you figure that out? He's super <laughs> surprised. And she's like, oh, I got lucky. Anyway, she says the seven-digit code after it is a protein sequence, and he's like, for what? And Scully says the cowpox virus, the virus used to inoculate humans from smallpox. And Pendrel is like, okay, so they were keeping records of smallpox inoculations. Like, why? Scully doesn't know why, but the big question is the second alphanumeric string that's afterward. There's 15 digits. And Pendrel says he checked. They're all different infinite number of variations i mean that's not possible because there's only 15 digits but can't be infinite anyway scully thinks that it's an inventory and pendrel asks of what and scully says of us and then scully takes off her jacket and pendrel's eyes kind of light up a little bit and then he sees that she has a bandage on her arm so i don't know what he thought was going to happen but it wasn't like <laughs> no, let's do it pendrel but anyway yeah he's optimistic gotta love him <laughs> <laughs> So Scully's got her jacket back on and she stands in front of a conference table in Skinner's office and Skinner and a bunch of other FBI officials are there and she has a photo up on the board and tells them that it's an image of a location of a protein from a confocal microscope. In this case, it's a cowpox structural protein and one of the inoculants used in the smallpox vaccine. So it's one of the like, isolated ones. And one of the men is like, where'd it come from? And Scully's like, it's from me. I had a biopsy taken of my smallpox vaccination scar on my arm. And through a complex process called immunohistochemical staining, I was able to get this picture. 
of the location of protein. I mean, that picture is digital, so there's some other stuff going on, too. That's not just like a staining process. But anyway, a single non-random protein pattern. Skinner starts to say most people in the room are not scientists, but then she clarifies that she believes this protein is a tag, that it's some kind of genetic marker applied to her as a child. And then another agent's like, why you? Like, why are you so special, Scully? And she says she thinks it's true of all of them. Anyone inoculated in the last 50 years. And then another agent is like, this sounds like something we'd expect from Mulder. And Scully says she had her doubts and still isn't sure. But she had the same procedure performed on Agent Pendrel. And then Pendrel's there and he's not in his lab coat. He's wearing like just a regular like I'm an FBI agent, got a suit and everything. And he hands her a protein image and she puts it up and it's, you know, a similar but slightly different. She tells him the location of the protein should be in the same place in him, but it's slightly different. And she thinks that the data corresponds with the entries collected by the men from the Social Security Administration. So if it was a normal protein, what she's saying is it would have been in the same location, but his is in a different location. So it kind of acts like mm -hmm. as a tag. And Skinner clarifies that she's saying everyone is being tagged and inventoried by who? And Scully says she doesn't know, but obviously by some government agency. And then another agent asks why. And Scully says, I don't know that either. But she thinks the only man who can answer that is Jeremiah Smith. And then Skinner gets up and is like, Scully. Can I speak to you outside for a little bit? So, yeah. So they go outside. <laughs> he's like. <laughs> and he asks if she fully realizes what she's promoting in there. Rounding people up in the middle of the day to imply. And then Scully interrupts and is like, I am a scientist. And what I'm promoting is reductive evidence. Isn't that why I was assigned to the X-Files in the first place? To put Mulder's work to the test of science? And then her phone rings. And she's like. Excuse me, I have to answer this. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, on the phone, you'll never guess who's calling Scully. It's Mulder. Oh, I was gonna say her mom. She's like, yeah, Scully, how like, are you? I haven't seen you since you were freaking out trying to shoot Mulder. What are you doing? I mean, honestly, she probably should call more often. But anyway, Mulder's on a payphone and he asks where she is. And she's I'm like, just I'm just calling to tell you that Quick Quick is fine because he didn't die. He brought him to me, remember? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's doing great, really adjusting to his new life. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy you brought him. I'm so, so happy. So he's on a payphone and he asks where she is and she tells him that she's in Skinner's office. She's like, where are you? And Mulder says he's still in Canada, but he's catching a plane soon and he needs her to meet him at the hospital where his mother is. And Scully starts to argue, but Mulder says that his mother's life depends on him and his party getting there safely. And Scully's like, who? And Mulder says himself and Smith and someone else. And Skinner is staring at Scully during this whole conversation and Mulder tells her that he's going to need some protection. And she tells him that he'll have it. There are a lot of people who want to talk to Jeremiah Smith. And then Scully says she'll be there. Yep. So a van approaches behind Mulder and it's being driven by a very pissed off looking alien assassin. He's not happy about being attacked by bees, I guess. So he just crashes the van straight into the phone booth and Mulder manages to like jump out of the way just in time. 
but he crashes so hard into the phone booth that it actually like crashes the phone booth and van that he's driving into the car behind it, which is the car that Smith is sitting in. And the assassin picks Mulder up off the ground and Mulder begs him not to kill Smith. And the assassin says that he must. And Mulder says something about the girl being his sister. And the assassin tells him that Smith is giving him pieces, but nothing of the whole because he's inconsequential. And Smith is a traitor to the project. So Mulder tells the assassin, kill me, let them go. And the assassin asks if he'd trade his life for Smith's. And Mulder says, for my mother's. The assassin tells him that everything dies. Smith has gotten out of the car and is now running away. So the assassin lifts Mulder up and he tosses him into the back of the van. And Mulder hits kind of hard and slumps to the pavement. And the assassin picks up his stiletto and we see the girl is in the back seat and she looks pretty scared. So she's freaked out. And Smith, meanwhile, is trying to round the corner of a building, but he's like struggling because obviously he was probably injured when the van like crashed into the car. And the girl cries out as the assassin steps over Mulder. Then it's a commercial. Yep. Yep. I'm pretty sure the assassin kills the clone girl. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So back at the hospital, Skinner is pacing in the door to Mulder's mom's room. And Scully comes out of their room and closes the door. And there's agents. Eh, there's like at least like a dozen people in the hallway. There's a lot of people. They're all milling around. And Skinner says it's been five hours. And Scully is like, something's wrong. And Skinner asks if she has another way to get a hold of Mulder. And then the nurse walks over. And it's actually the same nurse from previously when Mulder was like all threatening to shoot the cigarette smoking man. It's the same <laughs> nurse. So that's good. They got that. She tells him that like this is beginning to compromise our ability to treat patients because you have a lot of people in this hallway. So then suddenly Mulder appears. He doesn't have his jacket and he looks not great. And Scully runs up to him and touches him on his arm. And she's like, you're freezing. And then she's like, oh, my God, Mulder, you're in shock. And he just walks over and opens the door to his mom room and he goes in there and stands by her bed. And then he's just kind of like looking at his mom in the bed. And Scully puts a blanket over his shoulders. And Mulder's like, she'll never know. And starts to cry. I'm assuming he means she'll never know. Like, there's a bunch of clones of her daughter, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think that's what it is. There's a bunch of clones. like Because he was trying to bring the Sam clone to show her. Yeah. And then Scully hugs him. And then he cries on her shoulder. Then it's Mulder's apartment at night. And we see that the masking tape X is still in the window. Scully didn't take it down or maybe someone else put it up. We don't know. (gasps) Someone seems to be inside though. And then X knocks on the door, which is a jar. And so he opens it and looks around. It's totally dark inside, no lights. So he backs out and he starts going down the hallway and he hits the call button to the elevator. And then he looks back down the hall towards Mulder's door and he starts to reach for his gun. And the elevator door opens and he turns around and there's a dude in the elevator. And it's actually the dude that we saw come out of the bathroom when the cigarette smoking man and the Godfather conspirator were in Mulder's mom's room. And he shoots oh. X twice tum, tum, with a silencer. And then X lays on the floor and there's blood just like coming out of his chest. Like he got shot right in the chest and you see it just like mm-hmm. the blood is just like as his heart pumps, blood, blood, blood. And he's mm-hmm. coughing. Oh. Doesn't look good. No, does not look good for X. So back at the hospital, Mulder is sitting next to Tina's bed. 
And he tells Scully that he could have saved her. And Scully tells him not to give up hope. And Mulder tells her that Smith took him to a place with green fields and he saw his sister. She was just a little girl. He's seen too many things not to believe. And Scully says, I've seen things too, but there are still answers to be found. They have to hope there's a place to start. And Mulder tells her that she puts such faith in science, but the things he's seen, science provides no place to start. And Scully says that nothing happens in contradiction to nature, only in contradiction to what they know of it. Except for God stuff. God stuff. <laughs> yeah, God stuff. Well, that's that's yeah. religious. That's different. Yeah. So Mulder looks at his mother and he says he feels he came so close. And Scully feels it too. She knows it. And he asks how. And she tells him that she was warned by a man they both know, whom she believes knows the truth. And as Scully talks, we see that X is like dragging himself down Mulder's hallway, leaving a trail of blood. And Scully says that she believes that man can show them a place to start. And X writes something in blood on Mulder's floor, and then he dies. And the message he wrote is SRSG. Sir G. Says G. No, I don't think that's it. He was just so lost of blood, he was doing his Z's wrong. Got him backwards. Anyway, yeah, X is dead. X is no longer with us. No, I like X a lot. Then we are at the United Nations building in New York City, and it is one month later. Time has passed. And we see a door that says special representative to the secretary general and the S and the R and the S and the G of that title are way bigger than the rest of the letters, almost Mm -hmm. as if we were supposed to see them. They're also lined up like in a row. So it's like special representative to the secretary general. Hmm. Anyway, (laughs) a woman comes out and tells Mulder that she's Marita Covarrubias the special representative's assistant. And Mulder asked if he's had a chance to review the material that he sent him. And she says, yes. And Mulder asks if he can see the special representative, but Covarubia says that he's been called into something important. And then she asks who sent Mulder. And Mulder says, a friend. And Mulder's been inquiring with all the special representatives, and he's trying to learn more about some farmland in Canada. And Covarubia says that she can tell him that farmland has been abandoned. The crops Mulder described were left to die, though they were identified as ginseng and no evidence of beehives or bee husbandry were found. She knows that's not the answer he wanted, and then she hands him a folder. And then she's like, why is this so important to you? And Mulder's kind of, he's kind of stammering. He's obviously upset. And mm-hmm. he's like, I've had some personal losses recently, and I was just hoping. And he opens the file that she handed him, and there's a photo with a bunch of Samanthas tending the crops. Apparently, the dudes are gone. I don't know where they're off in another crop, but this one is all Samans, no guys. And then he looks up surprised, and Cove Rubius looks at him and says, not everything dies, Mr. Mulder. <gasps> oh. And Marita Cove Rubius is played by Lori Holden, who will continue to play this character until 2002. So she'll appear in 10 episodes of the X-Files as Covarubius, plus the X-Files video game Resist or Serve, 
She also played Andrea Harrison in The Walking Dead. And she's appeared on Murder, She Wrote, The Father Dowling Mysteries, and The Shield, among others. Yeah, I would hope she was appearing in other stuff, because obviously, like, 10 episodes in six years, that seems more like an inconvenience <laughs> than a job. You're just going to, like, call her up around and be like, hey, come down. Okay, bye. And, and, a, and a video game. <laughs> a video a, game oh, and a video it. game. Sorry. There's some voice work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, she's a recurring character, but clearly not often. Yeah. Like, oh, 10 episodes. Wait, in 2002, this is only 1996. That's like six years. That's okay. Yeah, she's so, sporadically yeah. involved. <laughs> yeah, that's like less than two episodes per season. So <laughs> yeah. then at the hospital, the alien assassin walks into the hall and he opens the door to Tina Mulder's room and he looks at her and then he looks at someone on the other side of the bed and the assassin says he needs to know the reasons why this should be. And the cigarette smoking man, who is the man on the other side of the bed, tells him so that the project may proceed unabated by removing an unnecessary obstacle. The assassin's like, what obstacle? And cigarette smoking man says, Agent Mulder, actually. If his mother were to die, the fiercest enemy is the one who has nothing left to lose. So they stare at each other. And Cigarette Smoking Man says that they both know how important Mulder is to the equation. (sighs) That feels important. And the assassin nods. He closes and locks Tina's door. Then he touches her forehead and he closes his eyes. And as he lifts up his hand, she opens her eyes and she turns and she looks at the Cigarette Smoking Man. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know how important Mulder can be. A cigarette smoking man like had people throw a bomb in a train car that he was in. Like, not I know, ago. I know. I, <laughs> I, apparently, like he burn didn't burn it. Like, maybe like he, he really didn't, didn't believe was Mulder was in there, and then later figured know. out that he was, and was like, "Oh God damn it, I killed him!" And then now, and like, they like, didn't, oh, they didn't alive. have no interest in sending like anybody. I mean, X went to go save Mulder. Maybe, maybe. <gasps> what if? Because we find out that X is actually working for the cigarette smoking man, right? But then also working on the side, on Mulder's side. What if X was not acting on his own when he saved Agent Mulder from the train car that exploded? What if the cigarette smoking man sent him there? Oh, interesting. Oh. It's entirely not, possible. That, that would no, work in universe not. if the cigarette smoking man is so worried about Mulder now. That yeah. He, that, that could have worked. Well, yeah. apparently he's a pivotal cog in their machine yeah because so. remember because x was all telling scully that, like that's just Mulder's on his own too bad i can't help him anymore but then he goes and saves him maybe he went because he had to because the smoking man told him to do it Ooh, and it just maybe. worked out to be convenient for both of them that he did it and that's the end of the episode <laughs> that's it so i guess tina's been in a coma for a month then because yeah i guess so yeah which would make sense if she's you know not recovering or whatever but yeah so stephen williams learned that his character was being killed off when chris carter called him and chris carter was like got good news bad news the good news is we're going to bring you up for another episode next week the bad news is you're going to take a bullet i guess x is a stand-in for everything because Oh no, oh no. Also, that quote is a clue of like, we're gonna bring you up for an episode next week. So you're basically like on call if you're like a recurring character on the X Files. So like just we're gonna drop a phone call and let you know. 
Yeah, I mean, I, that you ready? makes sense, right? Because hope you're not working. You're on not going to be on set all the time if you're not needed. Yeah, but you got to hope that your person isn't doing other jobs. They're not just waiting around, waiting for you to call. By oh phone. no, I mean, I'm sure they work. They work with actors, so they know they're gonna. They tell them, "Hey, we're gonna need you next week," or you know, and they make sure like. I'm pretty sure they you know check all that stuff and make sure people yeah, are available. but i wonder if he had what if he had another gig and they were like oh crap yeah that up, wouldn't so. hmm. yeah. they'd have to squeeze it in somewhere get those scenes yeah. filmed yeah i would be remiss to say even though i knew it was not gonna go this direction but when i saw those five boys in the beginning i could not just have this pang of longing for a storyline that involved Adams and Eves from season one, episode 11, instead of some worker drone baloney that we got in this episode. Yeah. So, like, I was just like, oh, come on. But nope. So, well, I am thinking, like, there must be different types of clones, right? Like, you have the clones. Well, who I are know. The but just like that story, we've talked about, like, work, like that, I like that storyline a lot. I wish that was something I know. visited. Every time they bring up clones, it just like is another like twist of the knife that we're not going to talk about the whole eve thing anymore so. yeah well the eve thing was a failed project so these are different clones that are not a failed project but yeah it is too bad it is too it's bad. only a failed project because they gave up on it they kept working on it yeah and well i mean all the eves were like murderous and stuff so well, you, gotta, you gotta fix that stuff you know <laughs> work out the bugs i guess but yeah that's that's hard <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein didn't stop making Frankenstein monsters when the first one like had a criminal brain. He was like, well, what if we tried a woman? What no, the monster made him try a woman. <laughs> well, or Dr. Pretorius did, depending on if you're watching the movies or the book. Or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. you're going with yeah. the film that Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein just kept on like, I got what I got to do, man. I'm a, making people from dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. got to refine it. You know, version one doesn't always work out. So. <laughs> well it's true like there's actually a really good musical that i don't think ever made it to broadway but you can get the the soundtrack and it was like frankenstein the musical and like in that version the monster basically just kind of like in the book like just compels him and it's like i'm gonna kill your family if you don't make this for me but then like he gets really into it he's like yeah no maybe i can get it right this time and there's like a whole <laughs> song about it and so yeah it's kind of both honestly but <laughs> yeah yeah because in the book basically the monster is like basically kidnaps his dr frankenstein's bride yeah like, make make me a bride and then we'll go off and do our thing and leave you alone forever right and it's then similar in the musical like, too but like yeah he's yeah. like okay that sounds like a good idea because at least you'll stop bothering me but then like he's almost done and he's like oh my god what if they go off and have a progeny of monsters that'll flood the planet i can't have that until he destroys the uh-uh. the bride he's making and the monster loses his mind and then, yeah so <laughs> and they go to the arctic and just yeah and frankenstein is found almost frozen to death yeah and then he does good die, times so. yeah he does the monster doesn't no yeah yeah book and the movies are a little different but yeah they usually are yeah anyway enough of that the musical is very good too i highly recommend if you can like you can find clips of it on youtube it's so good it's a bummer it never made it to rewatch a frankenstein podcast (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so this episode was obviously like season premiere and it was very Mm mytharchy i guess we should rate it Mm -hmm. (sighs) mm-hmm 
I liked it. Like, I think it is building the lore. And I think like this stuff is going to come up and be part of, you know, as we gradually put the pieces together and what this big cabal is trying to plan and what they're doing and what happened to Samantha. Obviously we're getting pieces. I'm, th- I'm kind of between a seven and an eight. Cause I feel like I usually give the myth arcs an eight, but then X died in this one. And that was a bummer, <laughs> but we got like, I felt like we got a lot of really good pieces. And then, yeah, I think I'm going to go with an eight. Okay. Boom. Eight in the spreadsheet. All right. I am going to go with, let me see. Let's look at some historic numbers here. Okay. So when we came back from Little Green Men, you gave that a seven. And I gave Little Green Men a four. So that was the season two premiere. And then we had Anasazi. And you gave Blessing Way a five. And I yeah, gave it two well, because Blessing Way was not good. Mm-hmm. But then let, let's jump to Paperclip. And Paperclip, you gave an eight. So there we go with the, the eight action. And then I gave that one a seven. And for this one, hmm, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a weird one because like a lot happens and it wasn't like I was bored or anything and I was like invested, but then also... I am going to give it what I gave its twin, which is a four. Okay. So uh, you by its twin, you that's mean what I gave. Lita Kumi. Yeah. Yeah. So what it's coming okay. off of. Yeah. So part one and part two. It was fine. I mean, at, I don't know. At no point was I really like invested in the episode. I wasn't okay. interested. We had, like, I got, I, wanted to make sure that I mentioned like they made sure we put in all these little bits of like why things were going to happen that otherwise in real life would be like, why did that not happen? And so they made sure they inserted all those bits. So that's good. It wasn't just like, why didn't that happen? They made sure they inserted that thing. Like don't shoot him. He's not yeah. interested in hurting us, which explains why, you know, it's just, but it was just, all that no, they stuff. lampshaded all the things that needed to be lampshaded. Yeah. yeah. And, but then like, like why Wh- one, why, are we cloning Sam? Like we've, ad- we've abducted, we have all these files and files and files and files and files that we saw in paperclip. Why is Sam the one that we're going to clone for all this stuff all the time? Is it just to mess with Mulder? And then also, why do we need to clone little kids to harvest pollen? Like, why couldn't you just hire anyone to do that or have robots do it? Or do you even like, what are they doing? Are, I don't even know what they're doing. Honestly, they're just walking around like watering the plants. Like you can automate that stuff. You don't need to do, I don't know, understand what they're doing at all in this location. They're agrarian workforce, but like, what are they doing? I don't know. So and why agrarian kids? works, they're planting stuff. I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah. It's not super clear. And again, like it's a little weird I get that, like, if you have a clone, they're probably going to have a stage with their kid, right? probably. I mean, you I don't just guess. pop I don't know, out the, With the, the clone Sam clones, machine. we didn't. But then we don't know if those clones were alien clones, if they were part alien hybrids in the past when they would melt and go to green goop. Uh, we don't know if these are the same and they decided, like, hey, maybe not going straight to adults, not the best thing. Let's keep them as kids. I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know either. And there are going to be some questions this season about like Sam too, about like what happened to her and whether or not like she's even part of this, which is weird because like clearly if yeah. there's a clone that looks exactly like Mulder's sister that is in no way related to Mulder's sister, that's more unbelievable to me than anything else. And I think, yeah, we're supposed to... It is yeah, and if we're talking her, colonization, but... like what what does this part... I get like if we're talking colonization and you want to... Our thought is is that you want to maybe like reduce the population and make it easier to colonize, right? And sort of almost like, hey, like you know, in in our actual real history, when people would come and would give smallpox to the native population, and then they would die and not be able to fight back very well, and then you would colonize them. Mm-hmm. And so, same idea here, right? With the same stuff, basically, with smallpox for some reason. Okay, that I guess makes sense, but then why do we need all this clone stuff? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. And I don't think we're supposed to, I, I, and I, I don't know if we get those answers later in the season, if we get those answers as the mythology becomes clearer, but right now we definitely have a lot more questions than answers for sure. Okay. Well, we should have hope that we will find a place to start to find those answers. So. <laughs> yes, we should. Also, everything dies, so don't get too too hopeful or optimistic about it. Not everything dies. <laughs> I do like <laughs> I think she's cool and I like that Mulder's new source is like a woman so that's kind of cool but yeah yeah but yeah I got nothing else yeah I don't think I do either as with almost so far I mean so far this is on track with me as a season premiere because with the exception of the pilot which is not really a se- I guess that is a season premiere but like coming it back is. from an end of the season like they're they're on track Although I wasn't impressed with the season two one, <laughs> wasn't impressed with the season three one. I'm not really impressed with the season four one. So good job. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, not to spoil it, it, but I, I think season four has kind of a rough start. It's a little bit uphill, but that's okay. okay. Well, we shall see. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. That's right. We made this. We also make a Patreon-only X-Files adjacent podcast that you should definitely check out. And you can use the link tree in our show notes to do that. But whatever you do, be sure to join us next time for X-Files Season 4, Episode 2, Home. It's where the heart is. (laughs) Yes, it is. As we try to figure out if If the the truth truth is still still out there. Oh no, not I. I I will will survive. survive. The truth is what we make of it.
it seems like Talitha Kumi would have been a better title for this episode. I know. And then, and I don't know which one a good episode would be for Heron Volks because based on what it means, neither of them fit it. So, I mean, I guess we're supposed to, unless we're supposed to assume the clones are a master race, but they don't seem to be. Anyway, so. Okay. Maybe the people who are creating them believe that. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know why they exist, but anyway. All right. I don't either. <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> because it's colonization. Duh. Didn't you listen to the cigarette smoking man? They laid it all out. It all makes total sense. Don't question it. But I, <laughs> I I'm, that was sarcastic, obviously. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I'm, I'm like, I'm like twitching, like, and like, no, it out. doesn't. Like, he lays it out, but you're still like, what the fuck? Okay, anyway, yeah, yeah no, it doesn't at all. So, 